0: Well, hey, it's the first Sunday of 2020, so we have to have a vision series, right? I've been waiting for years to have a 2020 vision series because you just have to do that. It's like Christmas and Easter. It presents itself and you have to take it. So we're doing a 2020 vision series. We'll be talking about our vision statement, which we have up on the wall. Reach up, rise up, reach out. Today, we're going to talk about Reaching up, making that connection with God, a real relationship with the living God is available to you. We want to make sure that we have that connection with God. It's vitally important as me and Pastor Vicky and Christian from our Morgan Park campus were sitting down and discussing this vision series. And part one, we were looking at reaching up and connecting with God. And Christian brought up something interesting that happened with his son, Elijah. So Christian is on the teaching team at our Morgan Park campus and he and his wife have four little boys and they have rules in their house about screen time and things like that. So they had somehow earned the like an hour or so of time on their Kindles where they could play games and their son Elijah was all excited about that and he pulled out his Kindle and it was almost out of juice. And he was very concerned. So Christian said, we'll plug it in, you know? And so he plugged it in and it wasn't charging. And he was very nervous about that. He got to play for about 45 minutes or something like that. And then his Kindle died. And, a Christian was surprised, you know, cause you plug it in, it should be charging and it was plugged in and the, uh, the charger was plugged into the wall, but the connection with the cord to the charger wasn't quite all the way in. So it wasn't making contact. It wasn't charging. And I think that's a great picture of us in our relationship with God. It could look like, well, this should be working. Everything is in place. All the things are, are where they should be, but the charge up isn't happening. And so today we're going to talk about a new covenant relationship with God, how to make sure that we're making that connection so that we're getting charged with the spirit of God and grabbing hold of God so that we don't miss that. Very, very important stuff. Now, the last series that we did, short series called Holy Holidays, we talked about Leviticus chapter 23 and the different holy days and festivals and feasts that ancient Israel had. And that was in the old covenant and how they related to God through these rituals, through these sacrifices and offerings, following these various rules. They had a relationship with God through the old covenant. But now we live in the new covenant time. And so we need to understand. Understand the difference between an old covenant relationship with God and a new covenant relationship with God and making sure that we're grabbing hold of that new covenant relationship and the process of transitioning from old covenant to new covenant is dealt with in the book of Hebrews. So we're going to look at Hebrews and see that transition process, see what the new covenant has for us, and make sure that we're connecting with God and getting charged through that new covenant relationship. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Verses 14 through 16, see what they say. Hebrews 4.14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So here we have a description of Jesus as our high priest. In the old covenant, they had priests and a high priest, people who would be the go-between between between the people and God. They would offer the sacrifices. They would do the rituals and they would bring the blessings of God on the people, the atonement of sins and these sorts of things. They would be the mediator between God and the people. Now we have a high priest who is Jesus, Jesus, the son of God who came here to live on this earth, who knows what it's like to be here, knows what it's like to experience this life. Jesus is not unable to empathize with us because he lived here. He knows what it's like to go through hardships. We don't know what happened to Joseph, husband of Mary. The last time we see Joseph reference to Jesus is 12 years old. So at some point, Joseph is out of the picture. We don't know what happened, but something tough must have happened for Joseph to no longer be in the picture. He knows what it's like to see those things happen. Jesus knows what it's like to be rejected by people. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be accused and falsely convicted and then to suffer beating and scourging and then crucifixion and to be killed. He knows what it's like to be humiliated. He's been here. And so we know that we don't serve a God that's a million miles away that can't relate to us. But Jesus knows what it's like. He serves as our high priest. And so we can go to him with confidence as we see in the next verse. Verse 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time." What does it say? Let us then approach God's throne. Approach the throne of God. God's throne of grace with confidence. Can we go to the throne of God? Can we go before the Lord in his glory and majesty and might? Can we approach the throne of God? It says here that we can we do that by faith. We do that in prayer. We do that in worship. We approach the throne of God. This is how we connect with God. This is part of the new covenant relationship with God. Of course, in the old covenant, they would not have dared to approach God's throne. They wouldn't have conceived of that as a possibility. Later on, we'll read about going into the holy place, the most holy place. That's where the high priest would go in once a year and they would tie a rope around his ankle. If you familiar with this, the high priest would enter the holy of holies once a year. You know, you've got the temple courts, you've got the holy place, and you've got the holy of holies. And the high priest would go in there once a year where the presence of God was, and they would tie a rope around his ankle. Because if you go into the presence of God in an unworthy manner, you're going to die. So they would tie a rope around his ankle because if he went in unworthily and he died, they couldn't go in and get him because then they would die. So they tied a rope around his leg so that if he fell over Dead, they could pull him out. This is not an easy relationship with God, but here it says we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. We can go before the Lord. We can actually make contact with God in a powerful, real way, and we can be confident that we can do that. So we want to do that. There is a huge difference between agreeing with a few religious ideas and approaching the throne of grace with confidence. A very big difference. So we don't want to be caught in that place where it looks like we have our cord connected to the source, but we're just agreeing with a few religious ideas, but we haven't approached the throne of grace with confidence. We want to go before the Lord, connect with the power of God. This is the new covenant relationship that we have with God. And this was God's plan all along. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 7. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So God made a covenant with the nation of Israel and God made this covenant. But here we see in Hebrews 8, 7, that there's something wrong with that covenant. If there had been nothing wrong with that covenant, no place would have been sought for another. So God made this covenant. How can God make something that is wrong that fails? Well, let's read the next verse. It'll help us out. Verse eight, but God found fault with the people. So a covenant relationship is something that there's two sides to both parties need to be faithful to it for it to work in a covenant relationship. This old covenant, God did not fail the people, but the people failed God. They failed to enter into this covenant in its fullness. And so God found fault with the people and the old covenant was doomed from the beginning because it was reliant on the people following the ways of God. And so here we see the beginning of a quotation. This quotation is from Jeremiah chapter 31 in the Old Testament, written approximately 600 years before Christ, 600 years before the new covenant comes into being. It is prophesied and described. Here in Jeremiah. So let's look at this verse eight, where the quotation begins. The days are coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel, with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins. No more by calling this covenant new. He has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. Now the book of Hebrews was written Prior to the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. And so this was said, you know, the temple worship, the old covenant ways are going to disappear. They disappeared just a few years later after the book of Hebrews was written. And now we enter into the new covenant, which was prophesied by Jeremiah. This new covenant brought forth by God. Now let's look at some of these verses a little bit closer and make sure we understand how this works. Let's go to Hebrews 8 back to verse 10. This is the covenant. I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Isn't this a beautiful picture of the people of God connecting with God in a heart level, in an internal way, knowing the ways of God, connecting with God, God being their God and the people being, being God's people. Now, one of the great messages of the new covenant is that the Gentiles are brought in. It's not just the children of Abraham, but it's all the people of the world, all the Gentiles, the two, the the Jews, the chosen people and the outsiders, the unchosen people are brought together to make one family under God. And so we get to participate in the promise that's made to the nation of Israel. We get to belong to the new covenant because we are grafted in. And that's an incredible blessing. So when we read these promises, we recognize that they apply to us as well, not just to the nation of Israel. And it says, I'll put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. Instead of when we're dealing with somebody and they're difficult to deal with and they're causing us problems and we think to ourselves, okay, should I punch them in the face and yell at them? Or should I gently instruct them and love them and help them? Which one is it? I can't remember. Let me try to look it up. Now, do we need to go look it up? No, because we can just feel. We know that the ways of God are not to punch someone in the face and yell at them. But the ways of God are to gently instruct, to teach, and to help someone come into a better place. So we understand the ways of God written on our hearts and our minds. But we want to more and more attain to this in its fullness. Look at verse 11. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Jesus said, don't call anybody on earth teacher because you've got one teacher, the Christ. Now, am I worried because of this verse that I'm going to lose my job? I'm not too concerned because I do think that we haven't fully attained to verse 11 yet, where it says no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to each other, know the Lord. Here are the ways of God. Come learn the ways of God because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Now, if this verse were to fully come to pass, that'd be fantastic because that would mean that everybody would come to church fully understanding the ways of God, fully on board, ready to go forward and advance the kingdom of God. And we wouldn't have to do a bunch of internal teaching. We could just go into the battle and we could bring the lost out and we could do the work of the ministry. So we wouldn't need to learn all of this stuff. If, this did come to pass, it'd be great. I would just changed my role from more of a teacher to more of a general in the army of God. And we'd go out and we would change the world. So I'm, I'm hoping that this verse will come to pass in more power in the years to come. That'd be fantastic. And then we have verse 12, which is powerful for, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins. No more. One of the great keys to the new covenant relationship with God Is that there is nothing between us and God in human relationships between people. You know, somebody does something wrong, something offensive, even if it's an accident, you can have something between you and them. You know, there's a tension, there's a distance, there's a problem that you have. It's awkward being in the same room. You've got something between you. And of course, that can happen between us and God. We can have something between us where there's now a distance. There's an awkwardness. There's a a concern about the relationship. But what we have in Christ in the new covenant, where his law is written on our hearts and our minds and where he teaches us through his spirit directly to us. There can't be this thing between us. There can't be this distance. And that's where the power of forgiveness comes in. Because instead of us being indebted to God and having failed God and being distant from God, having something between us and God through Christ and the forgiveness that is offered, that is taken away. And now we can have a direct connection with God because there's nothing between us. There's no sin hindering our relationship with God and is so powerful, so important. So we want to grab hold of that in its fullness. So we see here in Hebrews chapter 8 that we have forgiveness of sins, God's ways written on our hearts, and no need for human teachers because God will teach these people. Let me mention one more thing before we get into the next point. One of the great characteristics of the new covenant is that you can go directly to God. In the old covenant, you went through a priest. There were people that mediated. You know, Moses talked to God. Then Moses went and talked to the people. There was a person in between the people and God. Now in the new covenant, you can go directly to God. You don't have to go through me. You don't have to go through the church. It can be helpful if somebody prays with you and guides you through it. It can be helpful if somebody teaches you, but you don't need that. You can go directly to God. There is no mediator between God and man, except for our high priest, Jesus, the son of God. So we go to Jesus, we go to him, and he makes us right with the father, and we can go directly to God. So you don't need anything more than what you already have to make that connection with God. We have an immediate, a direct connection with God in the new covenant. Now, problem that I see in today's Christianity is that a lot of people, from what I can see, Their relationship with God is more similar to an old covenant relationship than a new covenant relationship. And we need to make sure that we're not living in an old covenant relationship with God in the new covenant era because it doesn't fit. It kind of messes things up. And it's certainly a very unfortunate relationship with God. When we live now in the day of salvation in the time of God's favor, we want to make that true connection with God. So let's talk a little bit about some differences between the old covenant and the new covenant. And I've taken a little bit of license here. The old covenant failed, not because it was a bad covenant, but because the people didn't connect with God. Of course, God wanted the type of relationship that the new covenant describes in the old covenant times as well. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always wanted that. And as I discuss the old covenant, I'm also adding in some things like the distortions of, and the failings of the people in old covenant times. So taking a little bit of poetic license, but I'm sure you'll be able to sort that out. Old covenant versus new covenant. Old covenant was mediated by a priest. There was a person you had to go to, to get right with God. Now, There is no mediator between God and man. We can go directly to God. You can go directly to God. You don't need me. You don't need anybody else. Again, it can be helpful if somebody guides you in prayer, teaches you some things that can be helpful, but you don't need a person. You can go directly to the Lord yourself. You can go boldly before the throne of grace on your own. You don't need anybody else's help, anybody's absolution or anything along those lines. You can go directly to God. In the old covenant, people got right, with God by following various rituals and sacrifices that they made personally. They made the sacrifice to get right with God. They had sinned in a particular way. There was a prescription of what you were supposed to do. And then it was okay with you and God. Now in the new covenant, we don't get right with God by our sacrifices. We get right with God by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. This is a powerful part of the new covenant. We don't justify ourselves by what we've done. We just come empty-handed before God and trust in what Jesus has done. So we trust in the sacrifice Jesus has made instead of in our own. So in the new covenant, it's about faith in what Jesus has done. It's not about doing something to justify and earn your forgiveness, justify yourself. We can't do that. We just trust in Jesus. The old covenant was a distant relationship with God. The people are over here. Moses is up on the mountain talking to God way over there. We're not even sure what happened to him. It's a distant relationship with God. The new covenant is a very, very close relationship with God. This is where that description of a personal relationship with Jesus comes in. It's a very close relationship with God. We're described as children of God, sons and daughters of God. Jesus, even in John chapter 15, described his disciples as friends, his friends. We can be friends of God. This is an incredibly huge change from the old covenant to the new covenant in the old covenant. You know, that's when Jesus was raised in the old covenant. Of course, he brought the new covenant. And one of the reasons why. Why they wanted to crucify Jesus was because he said he was the Son of God. He claimed to be equal with God as being a Son of God. And so that was something that was so offensive in that day to be considered a child of God that they wanted to crucify him. They wanted him to die for blasphemy because he claimed to be the Son of God. However, we in the New Covenant get to be children of God, sons and daughters of God, even friends of God. We get that close connection. It's not a distant God. It's a close God. Don't settle for a relationship with God. That's like that. You know, well, the man upstairs kind of relationship. We're called to have a close, our heavenly father, a friend of Christ. We're called to have a close relationship with God, not a distant relationship with God. The old covenant was more fear-based. You know, they they obeyed to avoid punishment. They didn't want something bad to happen. So they followed the rules. When you are, Following a fear based relationship with God, then you obey as little as possible because you just are trying to avoid punishment. For example, I hear people basically their question is, what's the least I can do and still go to heaven? You know, what's the most sinning I can do and go to heaven? What's the least following Jesus I can do and still go to heaven? This is a fear-based relationship with God. It's more akin to the old covenant where you're just trying to avoid the wrath of God. You know, you want your fire insurance, but that's all you want of God. That's a fear-based. The new covenant is a love-based relationship with God. We love him because he first loved us and we walk in obedience to God, not because we're afraid of being judged by God, but because we love what God is about. We love the fact that Jesus came to save sinners. We love the fact that Jesus came to bring everlasting life and abundant life to the people of this world who are walking in darkness, the people who are suffering, the people who are hurting, the people who have no vision, they've lost sight of who they are. They don't understand how precious they are in the sight of God. They're caught in addiction and depression and hurt and pain. And Jesus came to set them free. And we love the fact that Jesus is about that. So we obey him because we love what he's about, not because we're trying to avoid punishment, but because we love what the kingdom of God stands for. So we want to grab hold of as much as God as we can, because we just love the gospel. We just love what Jesus is about and what the kingdom of God brings to this world. So it's love-based not fear-based. In the fear-based, it's obligation and being forced. In the love-based new covenant, we sacrifice. Sometimes God calls us to sacrifice in powerful ways, but we sacrifice because we believe in the cause. We sacrifice because we see it as worth it. The old covenant was exclusive. We're the chosen people. You are not. We're the people of God. You are not. In the new covenant, everyone is welcomed in. We have an understanding that Jesus will leave the 99 and go after the one that the heart of God is for every individual on this planet. His love is for all. So the new covenant is inclusive where we understand that God cares about all. It's not about me, what I want, what I need. It's about including others into the kingdom of God. Also indicates the old covenant. They were looking at what they could get from God. Let the crops go well. You know, these sorts of things. They were looking at short-term benefits from God. In the new covenant, of course, we want short-term benefits from God. But our focus isn't on the present. But it's on the future promise that we will receive. We're looking at a country that will not be shaken. We're looking for the eternal kingdom of God. We're looking for a better resurrection. We, we're believing in the promise in the future that God has for us. The old covenant was rules led. They followed a bunch of rules. Even when they didn't get it, they didn't understand it. It wasn't written on their minds and their hearts. They just knew they were going to supposed to follow these rules. And there was just a harsh judgment against those who didn't follow the rules so you get that fear stuff in a new covenant it's not rules based but it's holy spirit led we Follow the spirit of God. We learn the ways of God and we're able to make adjustments for specific situations because we're being led by the Holy spirit of God, not by different rules. So I think probably the best way to describe it is the old covenant is a transactional relationship with God. And the new covenant is a transformational relationship with God. The transactional relationship with God is I need this from God. So I'm going to do this. So God does that. I need to be forgiven, so I'm going to make these sacrifices. I need God to like me, so I'm going to do these things for him. I'm going to give this much, so God will like me. It's a transactional relationship with God. That's the old covenant. The new covenant is a transformational relationship with God. It's where we go before God, and we just trust in what he's done for us, and that transforms us. We're born again, a new creation, and when we are transformed, then we wake up to the things of God. We just wake up to the power of God, the presence of God, the glory of God, the goodness of God. And we start walking in line with God because we've been transformed into someone different. We've been born again. So instead of a transactional relationship with God, where we're trying to earn his favor, instead, we have a transformational relationship with God, where we are made new and we wake up to the things of God. And we're just a different person who now is able to see those things. Man, I like the new covenant. What an incredible blessing it is to live in these days. What an incredible blessing. I think in modern Christianity... So many problems would be solved if we could all grab hold of a new covenant relationship with God. You know, legalism would go out the window. Exclusive churches that are right and everybody else is wrong. And the angry Christians would go away because that's completely outside of the ways of God. The complacency of believers would be gone. And we'd all be running 100 miles an hour towards the goal. All of these things would be solved if we grabbed hold of a new covenant relationship based on love and being transformed into what God created us to be. I want to read one more passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, Hebrews 4, you know, go boldly before the throne of grace, confidently before God's throne is kind of sounds like how to initiate that relationship. And we need to initiate that relationship, ask God for forgiveness, trusting in what Jesus has done and pledge our lives to follow the Lord. We need to start that relationship, but we also need to maintain it over time. And some of the things here in Hebrews 10, talk about how to maintain it. Hebrews 10, 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place again, Confidence to enter the most holy place. Hallelujah. Do not settle for agreeing with a few religious ideas. Enter the most holy place. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised Is faithful. So we want to grab hold of the faith and hold it unswervingly because we can have faith in the one who is faithful. Verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day. Approaching, So we want to go into the most holy place, open to us through Christ. We want to make that connection with God, maintain that connection, persevere, keep a hold of what we know because we know our God is faithful. And then the last part of the passage we just read, let's encourage one another. Let's gather together. You know, coming to church, I hope you get something good out of looking at the stage during church, but man, that's a small piece of it. It's about standing together and encouraging one another, strengthening each other, making sure that we have people around us that we can help and that they can help us because walking out your faith alone in this world is rough. We need each other's help. We need to encourage and strengthen one another. So build some relationships after church. Say hi to somebody. Get to know somebody. You know, because we need those relationships with people so that we can strengthen and encourage each other. Because sometimes we trip and fall and we need some help. It's right there in Hebrews. Jesus paid the price so that we can enter into the new covenant. We don't want to fall short of this great blessing that we have. So we want to honor Jesus. We want to make sure that we receive good things from him. Take full advantage of the new covenant. So we're going to pray and let's go to the throne and honor Jesus for what he's done. And let's receive the fullness of the recharge of what we get in our relationship with God in the new covenant. So let's pray. Almighty God, you are so great, so glorious so majestic, so awesome, so wonderful. We come before you humbly, seeking forgiveness, seeking connection, seeking to worship and honor you the way you deserve. Lord, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you that we can come before you with confidence, not in fear, worried that we're not good enough, but knowing that we are forgiven by the blood that you shed, Lord Jesus. Knowing that the way has been opened to us, Lord Jesus, by your body being broken. Thank you that we can have this relationship with you. Thank you that you saw us as worth making the sacrifice for. Lord, I pray for those here who don't understand that they are worth that sacrifice. Lord, that they would see it. That they would wake up to the value you have put on them. That they would wake up to the beauty that you see in them, that they would wake up to the place that they have in your family. Lord, help us to maintain a connection with you, to encourage and strengthen one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Lord, we're ready for you to return. We're ready, but we want to stay active doing your work till you come. So empower us, strengthen us, give us wisdom, help us to see how we can be productive and effective for your kingdom. And Lord, thank you. Thank you again that we get to have this relationship. We will not forget what you have done, Lord Jesus, but we will remember and we will honor you by walking in your ways. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the relationship you want with us, for the value you see in us, and for the calling you put on our lives. Lord, help us to walk in your ways. Help us to grab hold of the fullness of your plan for our lives that we not settle for something less, but we grab hold of the great power that you have. Help us to reach up to you day by day, moment by moment, year by year, so that we can stay charged and stay connected with you. Father, I pray a blessing over everyone that's here. Lord, let your peace be upon us. Let us have joy to give us strength and let us know your love so that we can share your love with this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.